trust that every time we open our Bibles, we are enjoying what we just sang about. We're beholding our holy God. This book, this Bible, is God's self-disclosure to his people. And so as we turn to Psalm 23, once again, we are beholding God. And what does God reveal of himself to his people? Well, David sings, the Lord is my shepherd. This is the cadence of the Christian life. Remember that from last week? Please tell me you remember that from last week. All right. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd of his sheep, is supremely sufficient in all things. All who are truly his own rest contented in him. Think about this. All that you need to live the life he has called you to live on your pilgrimage home to God and his people is provided to you by your good shepherd abundantly. Because the Lord is mine, I shall not. Because I am his, I shall. How long is that going to go on? All the days of my life. And to what end? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's my deal. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Is he yours? That's the rhythm of our pilgrimage. The cadence of the Christian life. And we understand, I trust, that to read from the Psalms is to read from the hymn book of ancient Israel. These, these beautiful songs and, and poems are not first and foremost private meditations, although that is often the way we approach the Psalms today. Their, their original intent was corporate worship. The Psalms are a, are, are a we thing, a together thing. All the people of God who are truly the people of God Rejoice that the Lord is my shepherd. And rest content because they can say with all sincerity, it's not a contrived thing, in light of who he is, I shall not want. These are the songs of the people of God on their pilgrimage through this wilderness that we're living in at present. And what a wilderness it is. And what is the melody of this song on our journey? Well, says David, I shall not want. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. I'm content, in other words. My very soul is at rest, though unrest swirls all around me. Have you noticed that? Is that the melody of your life? Are you content this morning because the Lord is your shepherd? 
David is showing us the sufficiency of the good shepherd from the perspective of, of his sheep. The Psalm 23 is stating the obvious here, gives us kind of a sheep's eye view of Christ. But what do the sheep experience from the good shepherd because of who he is and what he does? Rest. Wellness of soul. Contentment. Listen, contentment is the primary and it's the prevailing and it's the palpable tone of the Christian life. And before you sit back and say, well, isn't that clever? All three words start with the letter P. I know you think these things, because I do too. Please understand that that is just so we might have a shot at remembering something, okay? What, What do I mean by that? Primary, the main vibe of the healthy Christian's life is contentment. Did you know that? Prevailing. This contentment doesn't come and go with circumstances because it's sourced in God, not in you, not in me. Palpable contentment is felt inwardly. Think about why we love the Psalms so much because they deal with matters of the heart. And because this contentment issues from God himself to the heart of his people, it is not only felt, but it's evident to all who observe God's sheep. Do you realize that that ought to be the church's testimony in the world today? Awash in discontent as it is? What is it with these people who are content no matter what happens to them? It's almost as if. They've got an outside source. So I ask you again, are you you content? Is that your testimony? Or are you primarily discontent as our sheep without a shepherd? As our sheep who take their gaze away from the good shepherd? Because this contentment, this rest of soul is the promised blessing of belonging to the good shepherd. In fact, discontent is the fruit of a self-directed life. Discontent always follows the lie of the the self-sufficient life. What are we? As God's people, we're sheep. We have no sufficiency within ourselves. Anybody want to say amen to that? And there are sheep who get caught in that strong current of self-sufficiency, the lie of self-sufficiency, the self-directed life. They're not really following the good shepherd so much as simply asking the shepherd to bless their mostly self-directed life. Aren't you glad you don't know what that's like? Pray for such people. So they're not at rest. They're discontent. 
And they will be until they've yielded to the good shepherd. How do I know this? Well, it's in the Bible for one thing, but I've experienced it myself. And so have many of you. Notice with me that David sings of himself as being made to lie down. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. When the Lord is your shepherd, he causes you to be at rest. You don't work it up yourself. Anybody ever try that? I've got to be content today. How far is that going to last you? You're not even going to make it out the door. If you're a normal person, some of you aren't, but the rest of us normal people. (laughs) He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Only the shepherd can cause his sheep to be at rest. Now that's so obvious from the text, but so why state the obvious? Because you and I as sheep have a tendency to look for other sources. There's There's a difference between knowing this stuff and actually living it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. The sheep cannot find rest themselves. Oh, they try. They're really bad at it. The shepherd does this by what he alone provides to his sheep. So so let's just think about what our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, does. Listen, only in Christ, only in Christ do I find rest from my work to be right with God. You cannot work that out yourself, this rightness with God thing. It's a work of God himself through God the Son, enlivened in you, appropriated to you by the new birth, the work of the Spirit. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus' work as our substitute, his active and passive obedience in that sense, brings rest to our souls. The soul that is apart from Christ is living in a perpetual state of unrest. And you can find an atheist or two who will tell you that's not so. But the Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. The soul that is apart from God has this nagging sense that it is so. You cannot work for your standing with God. It must be given to you. Here's the thing. You owe God a holy life that you have not lived. Jesus lived this life for his sheep. You deserve from God an eternity in hell for sinning against his infinite holiness, and so do I. And Jesus took hell for his sheep. He took the condemnation that all who are his own deserve from God. 
You see, you'll never reach God or his heaven on your own. And yet Jesus says, "What? Well, follow me and I'll take you there. I've prepared a place for you. And I'm, and I'm the only one who can. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he gives life, his life, to the sheep. So only in Christ do I find rest from my fear of falling out of God's favor. You can't be content at all. At the same time, you are fearful. Sheep will not lie down if they feel insecure. Always wondering. And sheep who live in fear that they somehow will be outside the protective custody and tender care of the shepherd are insecure. And sheep who wrongly believe their shepherd is insufficient for them will be insecure. Jesus' sheep are at rest. We, we lie down in that sense. It's a, it's a picture of rest because we are guarded by a sovereign shepherd. Do you realize, I can't remember who first said this, Spurgeon maybe, that, that if you could lose your salvation, you would have already? I don't think he meant it to be funny. I, I hope that's laughter of, of joyful relief <laughs> that our salvation is kept by the power of God for us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. <laughs> See, God's sheep are no longer exposed to the, the danger of alienation from God. Not, not even do we fear death itself. Because our good shepherd has done what? He has won a great victory over sin. And sin's death for the sheep. And he's present with us always. Now here's the thing. Have you heard this before? Of course. Still wonderful to hear though, isn't it? Of course. Here's the thing. Verse 2 of Psalm 23 gives you the sense that this wellness of soul, this contentment or rest, that, that is completely independent of earthly circumstances, um, is something provided to us by our good shepherd in real time. In other words, it's a, it's a present tense ongoing thing by God's design. Here's what I mean. We're not zapped with contentment once and forever. Correct me if I'm wrong. If that's happened to you, please stand up and testify. <laughs> See, that it's not so. That's not, that's not God's design. He, he has brought us to new life, and it's a life of ongoing dependence upon our good shepherd. We're nourished in this rest of soul on an ongoing basis. David 
sings this song that we love so dearly because he, he's singing about contentment, wellness, not wanting anything in life as if it's an ongoing experienced reality. It's not just a concept to study, but a reality in the experiential sense. Contentment, rest, is not merely a believer's spiritual standing. Don't don't think that. Don't think of your salvation that way. It is a believer's practical experience. Says who? Well, says God through his servant David in this wonderful psalm. And so the privilege for us today, and and by the way, this is the beginning of the sermon right now, what follows. Um, I don't want want the earlier part to count against my time. Um, the, the, The privilege for us today is to unpack just a little bit how... How is this I shall not want stuff realized, experienced in the life of the sheep? And David says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Both the green pastures and the still waters together work to symbolize God's people at rest. So that two separate pictures, it's one scene. The image that comes to our mind is, is you know, contented sheep. Uh, they're, they're well fed. Uh, they're protected from enemies within the flock. More on that later. They're protected from enemies outside the flock. Uh, they're, they're lying uh, right next to the, uh, the still waters, not the torrent of waters that they uh, might see in their wilderness wanderings, but the still waters where they can be at rest and be satisfied. Still waters. Some of your Bibles have a little note that, that says literally waters of rest. So, the, so this whole scene is to deal with God's sheep at rest because of what the shepherd continues to provide. It's as if David is saying, look, we're dealing with real life now. We're dealing with the experiential side of wellness of soul, contentment of soul that comes to us when we're rightly related to the Good Shepherd. And some of you are made nervous by this, I know, because you've been taught, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't focus too much on experience, you shouldn't focus too much on feelings and that sort of thing. Um, I'm sure I've said that myself. But, but here's the thing. Do you realize that contentment from God is something you're meant to enjoy? Not, not just know about in your head? How many of you are glad that this afternoon... We're not going to go to the fairgrounds and study the concept of good food. We're we're not going to go to the fairgrounds and say, now what's the theory of the joy of fellowship among God's people? Let's just study that thing out and see what happens. We're going to eat, and we're going to eat well, and we're going to eat well together. We're going to enjoy fellowship. All of it under the umbrella of gladness before God because he's good to his people. 
We're going to experience that. And David sings in this psalm, there's an experience that just is bursting out of me. I lack nothing. And this wellness, this rest is something the shepherd must provide because sheep, as you probably know, are by nature anxious and restless and insecure. Don't be offended by this because I'm a sheep too. Do you realize that by nature we are anxious and restless and insecure? Lying down at rest, you know, the, the, the enjoyment of having been quieted is not native to us. It's something God provides to his sheep. And so, so the enjoyment of this rest, listen, depends upon surrender, yieldedness to the shepherd. That's why the self-directed life never leads to contentment because it's apart from the leadership of Christ, the shepherd. That's why those who follow the lie of self-sufficiency, apart from the goodness and grace of God in Christ, will never know this contentment the Bible speaks of. Are you content? The Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs puts it this way. He says, Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. You thought my points were long. Think about that last part, though. This wellness of soul, this contentment, is inextricably linked to submitting and delighting in God's wise and fatherly disposal of everything in your life. So what does the shepherd provide as we, as we yield every condition to him? What, what do we sheep eat that is akin to the, the green pastures of Psalm 23, verse 2? Think of it this way. What did Jesus say to Satan uh, when Satan tempted him in the wilderness to quiet his hunger by turning some rocks into bread. What did Jesus say? Yeah. Let me, let me repeat what you said, just so not, not everybody caught that. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus quoting directly from Deuteronomy 8.3 where Yahweh, the, the shepherd king of his people, said through Moses, what, 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 did, what did God allow Israel to experience in the wilderness? He says, God humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The mouth of the Lord. So, so here's the takeaway. God's sheep are nourished by the word of God, made alive by the spirit of God. 
the grass, the word of God, the still waters, the spirit of God. So we continue to feed on the gospel of Christ in scripture. It's not a a once and done kind of thing. It's not a Sunday only kind of thing. It's a day in and day out. It's the manna from heaven that God's sheep need if they are to prosper and actually experience, not just know about, this rest, this wellness of soul. And we just sang about that, didn't we? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. So you you might just ask yourself, not whether you agree with that. I I trust that you do. Uh, And and if you don't, you'd be wrong. Uh, But but I think what we want to ask ourselves is not so much do we agree with that, uh, but are we those disciplined sheep who understand that we're meant to be feeding regularly on the word of God? That that this is the, the wellspring of rest in the Lord. And this is something the shepherd does for his people. Are are you feeding upon the word of God in your life daily? And you say, well, that's, that's pastor stuff. I mean, you guys have time to read Jeremiah Burroughs. I mean, who, who has time for that? That was one of the shorter sentences in the book. (laughs) You have time for that. You've been designed by your creator to need his word. When? Always. Always. Does scripture dwell in you richly? As Paul says to the Colossians, or are you one of those people who, you know, you know the, 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 the spec sheet on the car you're thinking about buying better than you know your Bible? And you know where to find ammo, as, as short as it is in supply these days, but do you know where to go to find nourishment for your soul? Direction for your daily living? Wisdom for where you're at right now in your pilgrimage? Do you realize the scripture speaks that way? Now sheep, by nature, exist in flocks, don't they? They're they're not off by themselves. In fact, shepherds will tell you that the sickliest sheep are the ones who are off by themselves. If they go it alone, the shepherd knows that there's something wrong. And a flock implies fellowship. It implies togetherness, right? Meaningful, deliberate contact with other believers who are like us by nature of the new birth, following the good shepherd. So so let me just ask you something. Do you have built into your life as one of God's sheep an experience with other believers where in addition to the Lord's Day gathering, you're in a group of people, you actually know their names. And you're actually feeding on the word of God together. 
and you're sharing needs and praying for one another together because you realize that this flock thing, by definition, is a together thing. It's a we thing, not a me thing. The flock is in green pastures together. Do you realize that this Lord's Day, as any, is a we day, not just a me day? It is not God's design for his people to come into a Sunday fellowship with the attitude that is primarily what's in it for me. The flock gathers to rejoice in their shepherd and be fed and enjoy rest in their good shepherd together. And I know this is so because the word tells me it's so, but I see it played out in so many of your lives. So too are the ordinances, the the Lord's Supper and baptism. I mentioned that last week. Um, These are we things. They're together things, the sacraments. God's chosen means of nourishing his flock. Do you ever think of communion that way? Not just as a ritual, not just as an individual private act of worship, but as a primary means that God uses to extend grace and rest to his flock. We feed on the grace of the gospel together as we remember Christ's shed blood, remembering his his broken body, the the, the real flesh and blood life that he lived out on this planet as a, as, as a man for us? Do, do we think of baptism this way? Do you realize that baptism um, isn't just to do with the people who get wet? We're, we're tempted to think of it that way. But, but it's a means the good shepherd gives his church to thrill together at the power of this new life that he's given us. It's an opportunity for the church together to celebrate the blessing of obedience to his great commission. There's a reason why when we have a time of baptism, the whole flock is um, made glad. Why is that? Because there's just a rightness and a wonder to doing as a church what a church is supposed to do. Make disciples. Here's here's what I'm getting at. Because some of you are giving me that look now. I wonder what he's getting at. Um, The shepherd chooses and provides the means of grace for giving his sheep rest. We don't choose that. The shepherd chooses that. And sheep ignore these means to their own detriment, to to their own peril. And and here's the thing about sheep. The the good shepherd provides the sheep with green pastures, but he doesn't chew and swallow for the sheep. What a weird image that would be. Sheep are not force-fed by the shepherd. Sheep cannot eat the green pasture or drink the still waters by proxy for other sheep. 
And so God's people cannot be fed simply by taking in what others have eaten themselves. They they must feed for themselves from the riches that Christ gives to us. In other words, there's really no amount of listening to Christian podcasts or watching uh, Christian TV or... um, That's an odd phrase, isn't it? Christian TV... Uh, you, you, you know what I'm getting at, though. Th- those are good things to do. Don't misunderstand me. That is not the same thing as private communion with your Lord around the Word, enlivened by the Holy Spirit. That is no substitute. Sheep alone, in that sense, are easy prey for the wolves. And I, I invite you just to consider what you see happening in Let me just use the word Christendom today to see how far do we really have to look to find evidence of what happens to sheep who go it alone. What happens to sheep who don't follow the good shepherd? They follow other sheep who don't know the good shepherd. And then they wonder why they're off course. Are you listening to this? Many of you know are familiar with a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, written by a fellow named Philip Keller. I recommend it to you. It's a, it's a wonderful book by a shepherd-turned-pastor. I'll quote from it in a moment. But I, I've, I've also been enjoying another book written by another shepherd-turned-pastor, a Scottish guy by the name of Douglas Macmillan. He wrote a little book called The Lord Our Shepherd. I commend that to you as well. But in his shepherding experience... Macmillan says, one of the most difficult things in caring for sheep is to get them to lie down. And based on his experience watching sheep, he mentioned four things that that keep sheep from being at rest. And the first one probably won't surprise you, fear. Fear keeps sheep from being at rest, from, from being able to lie down. And they're really skittish. They're afraid of everything. Just a a tree branch moving in the wind frightens them. And then he says, antagonism from within the flock keeps them from lying down. Turns out chickens aren't the only ones that have a pecking order. Sheep do too. I did not know that. But he says, based on his observation, there's, there's always one or two bully sheep who needs to be seen as the boss and the best and kind of makes it their business to be the shepherd, though they are not. And then he says annoyances from outside the flock, like flies and ticks, that sort of thing, will drive sheep mad if they're not treated right away. And then he says hunger keeps sheep from lying down. So if they've just been feeding on the wrong stuff, so they're not really being nourished, they're just perpetually starved for what they really need, They'll never be at rest. And then he he begins to apply these things to the flock of God. How many of you know fear gets in the way of God's people being at rest? Whether it's fear of a virus or fear of what's happening in the culture or or just just that sense of losing social and political control that the, the church seems to be really preoccupied with all of that stuff right now. 
Fear has put many sheep in such a state that they're not relying on the word of God to guide them sensibly and peaceably through this wilderness that we're in. And, and so it ought not surprise us that there are some sheep who are off course. Let's just put it that way. Antagonism. Friction within the body of Christ leads to tension and frustration. Brothers and sisters simmering against each other. The sheep forget sometimes that unity does not demand uniformity. Do you realize it's actually okay if we disagree on some stuff? You can disagree with me on non-critical issues. You have a right to be wrong as much as anybody, right? No. But I mean, listen, we, we treat each other that way, don't we? They think if you get vaccinated, you're really loving your neighbor. But they say if you get vaccinated, you've taken the mark of the beast and you'll never make it through the tribulation. Do you realize that both of those statements are wrong? We don't have to agree on that stuff. Annoyances, the, 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 the little things that get under our skins. Every day we're soaking in news we don't want to hear. Circumstances that we didn't plan and, and we, we don't want. They pop up like moles in a whack-a-mole game, right? You get one beat down, another one pops up. And we're robbed of rest. What of hunger? What of hunger? What are you feeding on if you're not feeding on the meat of the word of God? Well, the, the enemy is pleased to serve up other stuff. And some of us feed on that stuff that the world has to offer, thinking that it's going to satisfy, that it's going to guide us, that it's going to content us, if you will, only to find out that we are starving to death spiritually. And, and what do we do? Is the, is the point of all this that we should just say, you know what, I'm prone to all of that stuff, and I guess the point of the message is I should just feel really bad. I should just feel horrible about myself that that's happening in my life. No, um, you and I both must just accept the fact that we're sheep. We're sheep who need a shepherd. We, we just sang it. I need you. Oh, every hour I need you. That, that's how we need the good shepherd. And, and so we bring those insufficiencies to the good shepherd. All of the fears, all of the antagonisms, all of the annoyances. Do you ever talk to God about your annoyances? He will listen. Other people won't, but he will. Again, just once more from Jeremiah Burroughs. He says, a Christian comes to contentment not by making up the wants of his circumstances, but by the performance of the work of his circumstances. Well, what's he getting at? It means rather than spending a whole bunch of time and energy trying to figure out how to move all the furniture around in my life, the first thing I want to be asking my shepherd is, what would you have me do in these circumstances that you have ordained for me right now? Because contentment will flow out of yieldedness, allegiance to my shepherd in that circumstance. 
And the enemy tempts us at this very point because he comes to us and he says, well, surely, surely the word of God is insufficient for what you're experiencing. Surely bringing that to the company of God's people, I mean, what could be more creepy than that, being real with other believers? And he tempts us away from these good things that God has given to us. And so we need this constant reminder that our good shepherd knows each of his sheep. He knows your heart. He knows that whole list of things I just went through that is unique to you. And he says, come to me, bring it to me. Parents, listen to this. Wouldn't it be an odd thing if when you went to pick up your child after this service, and that time is coming soon, what if you worried that you wouldn't be able to pick out your kid or kids from the crowd? Because all kids look alike. And how are you going to know which one is your kid? we would think there, was some, there would be something wrong with you as a parent if that was your disposition. But how many of you know that we sometimes act that way toward God? Does he really know my heart? Does he really care about my fears? What's antagonizing me? What's annoying me? How hungry I am? Yes, he does. And he knows you like any parent knows their own child. And he, what he says to you in his word is that his means of grace are sufficient for you, not just his people in general. And so David sings, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside the still waters. I think one of the reasons why we sometimes doubt the word of God, we, we wouldn't say this, it's not churchy to say that, but when we're really wrestling with something and another believer says to us, hey, let's just turn to the scriptures together and pray over this. We have this little tendency, in the, at least in the back of our heads, to think, well, I don't, I don't think there's a verse that's going to get at this thing that I got going on, Right? And we know that's wrong. That's why we never say it out loud, but we think it sometimes. And, and do you know why that is? Because we forget that the word of God is accompanied by the power of the spirit of God. The spirit of God is at work appropriating the truth of God, the nourishment of God, the direction that God gives to his flock and making it alive in you. I didn't know this until I read Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. Uh, but, but apparently sheep can go months without drinking. I did not know that. Uh, they get moisture often from dew on the grass that they eat if they're near good pasture. In, in fact, the shepherd will make sure that the sheep early in the morning can get to that good, lush, dew-drenched pasture, knowing that they will not only be fed, but they will be, they'll have their thirst quenched. 
And friends, do you realize that no matter how early you rise to feed on the word of God, the good shepherd got up before you did? And that in the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to nourish you from his word. And in the Christian life, says Keller, it's no coincidence that he says this, those who are often the most serene, the most confident, and most able to cope with life's complexities are those who rise early each day to feed on God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the cadence of the Christian life. How is it true that I shall not want? I get zapped with this? No, it's more than a positional thing. You've been brought into a lively relationship with the living God. And he says to you, come to my word. Come hungry to my word and find rest. Walk in the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. And your thirst will be quenched. What a joy it is for the people of God to know that they are always those who are drinking from the living waters. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this simple metaphor. And it just seems like the more we squeeze it, the more comes out. You are so good to us that way. I pray, Lord, that among your people there would be a hunger for your truth. I pray, Lord, that among your people there would be a dependence upon your spirit to guide us, to nourish us, to lead us, to do what we can't do, and that is to reorder our hearts and our minds so that we have hearts that are more like yours and so that we think your thoughts after you. And we pray this, Jesus, for your namesake.